You got to think about it. You got to recognize it. And you got to check his ass. We're not having any of that, gremlin. Beat it, geek. <laughs> hey, I'm Deanna Seymour, a mom, a business owner, and a lady trying to love her body just the way it is. Here's the thing. We all know you've got to make mistakes to learn, but sometimes it can feel like you're the only one getting it wrong. Am I right? I'm on a mission to change that. Because guess what? Nobody's perfect. So let's laugh, learn, and celebrate our mistakes at the Imperfect Party. All right, you know that you should be posting more pictures of you on your social media feeds, but you have no idea what the heck to do in your photos. I got you covered. I have a list of 127 portrait ideas, so you'll never run out of things to post. Go grab it at deannaseymour.com backslash 127 portraits. Okay, before I start the show today, I wanted to let you know that on today's episode, I'm going to talk about diets and weight and my journey with getting better at being nicer to my own body. I do mention weight with actual numbers and percentages. I talk openly about diets and BMI. And of course, this is all just from my own perspective and experiences. But that being said, I'm not in any way a counselor or psychologist or anything fancy. I'm just a lady sharing my own experiences with the diet industry and my own body and how I'm navigating all of that crap. If any of this sounds like it might be hard for you to listen to for whatever reason, you might want to consider skipping this one. All right, let's get started. All right, I just want to warn you now, today's topic gets me fired up, y'all. We're talking about body image and how to fight the system that tells us that we are not good enough. Thank God things seem to be shifting and people are starting to be more accepting of all different types of bodies, but there's still a ton of work to be done. And for those of us who've been on this planet for a few decades, we have a ton of unlearning to do, and that can be really, really, really hard. So I wanted to share with you three things that were sort of aha moments for me when I started my journey to being more accepting of my own body. Then I'm going to give you an easy tip for starting that process today. No, I'm all about taking action. So because I don't want anyone to waste one more day spending time worrying about this crap, let's get to it. Number one, it is not your fault. I feel like Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting when he's telling Matt Damon, it's not your fault, Will. And he keeps saying it until Will breaks down and cries. Do y'all know that scene? Is it just me that knows that movie completely by heart? No? Chuck, I had a double burger. Anybody? <laughs> Anywho, when it comes to your effed up view of your body, please know that it is not your fault. And really hear that and take it to heart. It's not your fault. The beauty, well, the screwed up sinister genius of the diet and wellness world is that when your diets don't work, they act like it's your fault and not theirs, right? They make you feel like it's because you're weak and you don't have the willpower. So it's not the diet that didn't work, huh? They want you to feel like it's all your fault that it failed. But listen to a few of these statistics, okay? Their definition of success, which I will put in little air quotes that you can't see, their definition of success is losing about 5 to 10% of your weight. Now, 
I know a lot of women and most of the ones who say they need to lose X amount of weight, X amount of pounds, whatever that goal is, whatever their goal weight is, you know, you have the goal jeans, the little clothes in your closet you think you're going to get back into. It is going, you're not trying to just lose five to 10% of your body weight, right? The people on the commercials that they show that make you sign up for the thing did not just lose five to 10%, okay? Those people are, you know, freaks of nature, right? That's why it has tiny writing at the bottom that says results not typical. So five to 10%. So for real, I want to do the math, okay? And I'm very adamant on my show that we're not going to talk about um, specific numbers in terms of weight and money and all that stuff, because I really think that a lot of things in life are more about the process than the end result. So when you show up daily and you do whatever work you're doing for your business, you're going to make money. You're going to do those things. And I don't own a scale. I don't think anybody should own a scale. That number on the scale does not mean anything. So I'm very adamant that we're not going to talk about numbers on this podcast, but I think it's important today for me to say a few numbers so that people really understand what this is, because I've tried to have this conversation with people and the diet culture is so ingrained in us that they just look at me like I'm crazy. Like I don't make any sense. Like they're like, no, it was my fault. You know, I ate some carbs. So I did, it's my fault that I'm not, you know, didn't, didn't work. So I want to say some numbers today, and then after this, I'm going to beep out numbers if anybody on my show is talking about numbers. But I think this is important. So when I was pregnant with my daughter, Ruby, I got up to 235 pounds, okay? I'm an art major, not a math major, so deal with me. I said deal with me. I meant bear with me. Uh, So 10%, that's the the high end, right? That's me like being super successful. 10% of that would be... 23 and a half pounds, right? So 235 minus 23.5, that's me being successful. I can't do math. <laughs> I can't do math. I should have brought a calculator with me. But it would be like what? I'd be like 210 pounds. I wish my sister was doing the show with me because she would be like, duh, idiots this much. <laughs> she wouldn't call me an idiot. So I'm 5'1 and the BSMI chart. No, I didn't just misspeak. I think it's the bullshit mass index chart. Says that I I should be about half of that. That is insane. First of all, I haven't weighed like 100, 120 pounds since elementary school, probably. And even by their own BS standards, I wouldn't have really been a success in air quotes if I lost 10% of my body weight. So they'd still be calling me obese or fat or whatever they're going to call me when I go to the doctor. So even if I was quote unquote successful on this diet, everybody has unrealistic expectations about what they think is going to happen if they go on a diet. But diets, like they already know this, they just don't talk about it a lot. But that wouldn't even make sense because I would only have lost 5 to 10% of my body weight and it's, it would still, I'd still be unsuccessful. So it doesn't make any sense. Like on one hand you're saying, okay, yeah, nailed it. Our diet worked. You were success. You lost 10%. 
And then I go to the doctor and they pull out the stupid ass chart and boom, I'm a loser again. So there's already that. Like I said, I was going to get fired up today. So woo, getting fired up. So now out of those people who lose five to 10% of their body weight, which we've already just decided is a weird conundrum where you're a success and then instantly not a success, depending on, I guess, where you started. After that, about 95% of those people gain it back within five years. 95%. So only 5% of those people are going to keep off their 10%. Now, if you're not mad yet, keep listening. Two-thirds of those people gain back more weight. If you have ever gone on a diet, lost some weight, gone off the diet because it's completely impossible for you to stay on forever because you're restricting and all this other stuff that I'm not going to go into, but basically, in simple terms, you go off it because diets don't work, you gain it back, and you gain back more. If you're starting to get a little mad, I'm happy. You should be. I started my first diet in third grade. Third grade, I'm about to turn 40, and my whole life... I've done the thing where I lose weight, then gain it back over and over and over again. Sometimes I gain back more. Sometimes I gain back just the same amount. Usually I gain back more. One year recently, I remember my dad joking to somebody that we hadn't seen in a while that uh, he had lost 40 pounds that year, but he joked that it was the same 10 pounds over and over and over again. Lose 10 pounds, go on vacation, gain 10 pounds. Lose 10 pounds. Oh, now we're going on a cruise. My parents are retired. They like to travel. So he would be at home, get get discipline, lose his 10 pounds, and then live his life and gain it back. So he ended up being the same. We laugh about it. It's like a funny joke. Ha, ha, ha. And it's funny. We're all laughing because we all know we've been there. We've lost it. We've gained it back. But it's so not funny Because in the end, we end up feeling like it's our lack of willpower or our lack of discipline that made us fail. You feel like you didn't make the diet work, but the diet just doesn't freaking work. It is not your fault. Go back to Goodwill Hunting. It is not your fault. And it's very hard on your body to keep doing that. You're restricting. You know, your poor little body thinks you got dropped on a desert island And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, where'd all the food go? Your body doesn't know what keto is. Your body doesn't know what Whole30 is, that you are getting married next summer and you want to look a certain way in your dress. Your body, like, literally is like, oh, my God, we're starving. Like, we're on Survivor. What's going on? And then your body is stoked and gets it back. And then it's like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, I was going to say it's an emotional roller coaster for your body, but maybe not emotional. But it is like a roller coaster inside your body, which some research would show that is why there are problems with, quote unquote, obese people because their body has been through a lot. Because, you know, since third grade, they've been treating their body this way because they keep getting sold these diets and getting told to to do this thing, to use this product, this service that doesn't work. And Here's the thing. What other service or product would you buy and then when it doesn't work, you're going to be mad at yourself. You're going to blame yourself. You know, you don't buy a pair of shoes and then when they fall apart, you're like, well, my feet, you know, I should have had better feet. It's totally, you know, you're mad. You're like, hey, 
you made these shoes and they fell apart. They totally suck. I want my money back. I'm giving you one. St- I'm giving you a zero star review. This is ridiculous. But the diet industry has created this whole narrative and it, it runs deep because people hear this and they're like, uh-huh, Dana, you're crazy. But they've created this whole narrative around us believing that it's us that failed and not them. So it keeps us all feeling like we're unhealthy, overweight losers with no willpower so that we line up for the next diet they come out with. Oh, uh, yeah, I wasn't strong enough to do um, Whole30. Oh, my gosh, Keto. Yeah, so I'm going to try keto. All right, I was a loser. I couldn't do it. It's just like, you know, Vinny from the Jersey Shore did it. He's good, you know, whatever. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm going to do intermittent fasting now. Because that's, you know, like every time we're giving them more money, we're beating ourselves up, we're handing over more money, and it's not going to work. It doesn't work. If they worked, we wouldn't be talking about this. Everybody would just do them. And get skinny, and then guess what? It wouldn't be a $72 billion industry. So that's the thing. They make money off of us failing and rebranding it and rebranding it and rebranding it. Even now, they're like, "Uh uh-oh, body positivity, diets are bad. Oh, this is wellness. This is a wellness program. Who doesn't want to feel well? It's wellness, health and wellness. It's a diet. And it doesn't freaking work. This whole thing is insane. I told you that it gets me fired up because these people are mean. And they're making us think there's something wrong with us. And there's not. Which brings me to our next point. Which is number two. You got to meet your gremlin. Also known as your negative self-talk. You know that nagging, judgmental voice in the back of your head that comments on everything you do and makes you feel terrible about yourself? Well, I call that the gremlin. I know people have other names for it, but, um, you know, I'm from the I'm an 80s baby, and I just like the sound of a gremlin. You can feel free to name yours whatever you want. I also have referred to it as the radiator in Home Alone, because, you know, Kevin was, like, scared of it, and it was all like, Bruh, and he tells it to shut up, right? And that's going to be our ultimate goal, tell our gremlin to shut up. So some of our gremlins are a little louder and more judgmental than others. But I think most people have them. Uh, My gremlin usually focused on my body. I've I've been pretty good at shutting them down, so I'll get to that in a second. But my gremlin usually focused on my body. I feel like I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty creative. I feel pretty good about all that stuff. But gremlins can make you feel bad about anything. You remember in um, Dirty Dancing? Man, I'm just like quoting all the movies today. That was baby's gremlin saying, I carried a watermelon. You know, she gets there. She's there. She's in her head. She's like, oh, my gosh, I'm an idiot. Why did I just say that to Johnny Castle, the hottest dancer at what is that place called? Kellerman's. Oh, my gosh. Well, that would have just been a tragedy if I could have not said that it was at Kellerman's summer camp or whatever it's called. So anyway, sorry, I got off topic. The voice of the gremlin is the voice that makes you question yourself, judge yourself, and be not so nice to yourself. A lot of times it's just a voice that we're used, so used to hearing that we don't like consciously hear it, but it's there kind of chatting away and causing some serious damage and self-doubt. And if you kind of let it run free, it can start to spill over. Like I said, mine was mostly about body image. But if it goes unchecked, it can start to kind of seep into other areas where you're like, well, I don't know. 
about my momming? I don't know about this. Am I good at my job? You know, it can, if it, if it's let, if it's let to roam free, if it's fed after midnight, it's going to multiply, <laughs> go with the gremlins. But yeah, if you really start to listen to that voice for the voice, you can start recognizing when it pops up and telling it to get lost. Like I was saying to Kevin McAllister, like, shut up. Tell the, tell that gremlin to just shut up. I challenge people to sometimes write down the negative thoughts they hear and try to flip the script for themselves. So an example of this would be like your gremlin is trying to tell you that your stomach is too lumpy and you are trying to like get over that, but you're like, I don't know, my stomach is kind of lumpy. Like, uh. So what you do is you write that down. Stomach, my stomach is too lumpy. Then I want you to draw a line through it and change that thought. Flip the script. So for me, I like to remind myself that I grew two humans in there, right? And if a few lumps and bumps are the result of that, I feel like it's worth it. So you just kind of take the thing that you're sort of being about and cross it off and then think about like what what is that about? Where where'd those lumps come from? And if you have a lumpy tummy and you didn't have babies, your lumps can be from a different area. Like that can be whatever. Like it's whatever it is to you. I don't want you to think that I think only bellies who've had babies are lumpy because my belly has been lumpy my whole life and I have not had children my whole life. That is just something that I can remind myself about what my body can do as opposed to what my body looks like. Essentially, the gremlin is a bully. And once you start to take that power away from the bully, they aren't as interested in showing up and engaging with you. So you really have to start listening for that little jerk uh, and telling him what's up. I think you'll be surprised how often he's making you question yourself. You got to think about it. You got to recognize it. And you got to check his ass. We're not having any of that, gremlin. Beat it, geek. (laughs) All right. Number three, you don't have to participate in this conversation. So this is just all about stepping out of the conversation. It's so funny how our brains like to categorize things. A lumpy, soft tummy, bad. Smooth, rock hard tummy, good. It's not like a caveman, right? Like, put this one in this, ugh. Lumpy tummy, bad. Rock hard tummy, good. But what if they could both just be tummies? Like, would that be okay? Do we have to categorize them? Do we have to say good or bad? Do we have to assign value to everything? I know it seems obvious, but we don't. (laughs) And we do. So here's my thing. You don't have to participate in the good or bad categorizing of yourself, your body, your things, your house, anything. Like, just you don't even have to participate. You're like, what are y'all talking about? When you go out to happy hour with people and they're like, oh, my thighs are so fat. Oh, my thighs are so They're just thighs. We don't even need to talk about that. Next, next topic. Can we talk about something more interesting than our thighs? Thank you. So the point is also that I don't think you need to really love your body. So that that's like, again, with body positivity, it was hard for me in the beginning because I was like, I mean, I don't feel like I love my body. It's going to feel fake to me to just like wake up and be like, ooh la la, now I love my body. But you just don't hate it. Just get to like body neutral where you don't have to put it in good or bad. You don't have to participate in that. You just are. Your body is just there. So if you keep it body neutral for long enough, 
you might start to naturally move into a more body positive mindset, but you got to start somewhere. So just start by taking out the good, bad, love it, hate it, this whole thing, and just let things be, like, let just let it be a body, you know? It's so hard, but like I said, we're unlearning decades of this crap. All right, so now I'm going to finish off with a tip, a little easy tip for today. So this is the easy one that you can do. Remember the beginning, I promised you a little easy takeaway that you could do today to get started. I mean, I think you can kind of do all these today, but this is super easy. I want you to follow people in bigger bodies on social media. You don't have to like any of their posts. You don't have to comment. You you don't have to do anything super hard. You don't spend a bunch of time online. I just want you to follow them so that as you scroll through your social media feeds, you're going to see normal bodies. Imagine that you live in a world where you don't see any celebrities. Like, for real, for real, I'm going to, like, reel it in here. I really want you to think about this. There's no magazines, no TV, no movies. So any celebrity that you can think of, you've never seen before. The only other humans that you see are anybody that you've ever actually seen in real life. Those are the only people you've ever seen. Like, that is your scope of what human bodies look like is only people you've seen in real life, your friends, your family, people at the grocery store. How do you think that would change how you feel about your body? If you had never seen JLo perform at the Super Bowl and the only other 50-year-olds you've seen in your life are the ones that you actually know, do you think it would change how you feel about your own body and how you should look at 50? I think it would. I think if the only people we saw were real people, a lot of this stuff wouldn't wouldn't be a thing. So you got to get some more real people in your social media feeds so you don't end up forgetting that real people exist. You're real. Your family and friends are real. And there are some real awesome people on social media that are very real when it comes to bodies. And I just want you to look at them when you're scrolling. Don't forget about real people. And I'm not suggesting that JLo is some weird robot or something like she's not a real person. Of course, she is a real person. But JLo at the Super Bowl or on a magazine cover or in a music video, it's not real. It's highly produced. It's highly choreographed. It is crop chopped and photoshopped. It ain't real. So just to quickly recap, I want to remind you that, number one, it is not your fault. The system is designed to make you think it is, but I assure you, it is not. Number two, you got to challenge that gremlin, y'all. That little guy needs to be checked, so get his little ass. Number three, keep things neutral. A tummy is just a tummy. It's not good or bad. You do not have to love your body, but also please don't hate it. Deal? And now for your next step, (laughs) go hop on social media and follow some real folks. And maybe for extra credit, while you're there, you could maybe just unfollow the people who make you feel not so great about yourself. Hmm, Just a thought. I also made you a worksheet to really go hard on your gremlin. We got to get that little bastard before he does any more damage. I'm going to link some of my social media faves and the worksheet in the show notes for this episode at deannaseymore.com backslash three. See you next time. Oh, 
And if you liked today's episode, can you do me a favor and click the subscribe button and leave a review? It'll help more women just like you join the party. And I might just read your review on a future episode. And remember, the beauty's in the imperfections.